going to do. Uh, today we're in John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Uh, if you're with us, you can turn there. We're going to read a nice portion, a chunk of that. Uh, but if you're joining us for the first time, uh, really, we've been in a series called uh, Keys to Living with Jesus. And we've been looking at this set of teachings that Jesus has given us, and it's the last days of Jesus's life here on earth. And so he pulls these collection of talks together, pulls his disciples together and says, hey, this is incredibly important for you and incredibly important for me. And the first week we looked at John chapter 15 and Jesus uh, showed us how to remain in him once he's gone. And then in John chapter 15, he uh, gives you and gives me and his disciples there in the moment. He says, hey, I want you to uh, be ready for suffering. I want you to be ready for trials, but understand that I am going with you. Understand that I am going to help you through that and through that suffering. And then we see in 16 that we receive the helper, the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. And then this week, uh, this is a pretty big week because in John chapter 17, we have Jesus his longest recorded prayer in the Bible. How incredible is that? We get to have we get to look into the window and watch God himself pray. How incredible for you and I as followers of Jesus to look at his prayer, not only looking at his prayer, but looking at um, the particular prayer where he is getting ready to go back. And uh, all of my parents in the house, or maybe uh, you have somebody that a friend, if you're a student in the house, maybe you have a friend that you visited from time to time. And then right before you leave, what do you normally say, right? You usually say something you want them to know or you want them to remember. It's like, hey, remember, I love you. Or maybe your kids are leaving. Hey, remember, behave, right? Whatever it is. Uh, remember, what I, remember what we talked about last night? Or, hey, remember this? Or maybe you're leaving your class and the, the bell rings and all the students, what, they slam their books, they're heading out the door. Remember, quiz next week, right? Like the teachers, they, they, they push that last little bit of information. And so Jesus in John chapter 18 goes to the cross. And so in John chapter 17, uh, we begin to ask, what would Jesus pray for? If Jesus himself is praying for us, what does that prayer look like? And what specifically is he praying for you and for me? And we get to look into that here this morning. But I just want to pray for us and ask God to speak this morning. Then we're going to jump right in. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. God, thank you for everything that you have given us, God. God, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for this incredible weather. Uh, thank you for each and every person that's in the room and listening online. God, I pray that you would speak during this time. I pray that we would hear your words. I pray that they would encourage us, God. I pray that it would lift us up. I pray that it would challenge us to help us to become more like you. God, I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. I pray that your word may speak to us here today. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. So John chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 13 and kind of work our way down here just over the next three hours. Just kidding, guys. Just, I was just making sure everybody was awake here this morning. John chapter 17, verse 13, it says this. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. 
Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I love that. Jesus is saying, I'm coming to you now, Father. And I begin to pray. And he starts the first part of John chapter 17. And he's praying because he knows what's in front of him that he's headed to the cross. And he's praying, God, your glory is about to be shown through me. And then he shifts the prayer a little bit. Bit and he starts to pray for his disciples and he starts to pray for you and I. And this first part, he starts praying for his disciples that are right in front of him, which is still um, available and still pertinent to you and I. But he says, I'm getting ready to leave them, Father, but I want them to know a few things. And he says these important things I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. We see this prayer where Jesus begins to pray and he's saying, I'm getting ready to leave, but my prayer is not that you would remove them from a broken world. In fact, I'm I'm sending them back out. I'm commissioning them into this world. And I'm asking that your word would begin to make them holy. And if we look at the Bible, the word holy means to be set apart, is to be separate. But we have this picture that, yes, we are called to be set apart. We are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. But God does doesn't take us, lift us and go, okay, now I want you to go into the woods and create this big fence and live in this like combine together where nobody can touch you and you can stay safe and you can kind of guard yourselves and all these different things. He doesn't call us to do that, right? In fact, Jesus begins to pray and he says, I've made you holy. I'm setting you apart, but now I'm going to send you into the darkness. I'm going to send you into the world so that the world can see that you're set apart so that the world can see that you're different so that the world can see that there is a better way and his name is Jesus, right? He's saying, I have become your standard. You've been following me and all of this makes it. It's really hard if we don't get John chapter 15, right? It's really hard if we don't know Christ and we don't remain in him because if we're not careful and we go into the world, right, then the world and the darkness will begin to influence us, Right? But my source comes from Jesus, my joy, my hope, my my guidance in life. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth and Jesus is the life. And so now as God sends us back into the world, we know who we are. We have not forgotten who we are. We know that God has called us. And this is big, especially uh, if you first come to know Christ. Because uh, we can go back into the world and we're still trying to figure out our relationship with God, what direction that he has called us to. And we can go back all excited and passionate back into a broken world. But then the broken world begins to influence us. Right. But if you notice, if you read the Gospels and you watch Jesus, one of the things I love about Jesus is that there were multiple people around him. And most of the time he was surrounded not by the most religious, not by the famous, not by the most popular. But it's almost like Jesus sought out the broken. 
He sought out the hurting. He sought out the ones who were on the fringe of society. And Jesus said, I'm going to go to them because I want them to see God's work through me. I want to, I want to show them who I am. And when we look at the religious leaders, what did, what did they get mad at Jesus about the most? There was, there's two big things. One is because he claimed to be God, right? Like That's a pretty big one, right? Uh, but he claimed to be God so that, that, that they were like, whoa, this is blasphemy. This can't be. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah. But then the second thing was, is that he was always hanging around sinners. I want to show you this here in Mark chapter 2. It's pretty eye-opening, this conversation that Jesus is having with the religious leaders. Mark chapter 2, verse 16. Everybody still good? Amen. I'm wired now. I can't walk out. So y'all, I'm just kidding. Mark chapter 2, verse 16. It says, but when the teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked the disciples, look at this translation. Why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people do not need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Wow. Jesus himself, the religious leaders are upset. They're like, why, why are you hanging out? Like this New Living Translation says, the scum. Why are you hanging out with such sinners, with people who we are considering the bottom rung of the totem pole? And you're, hang, you're talking with them. You're teaching them. You're, you're showing them the way of life. And Jesus goes, hey, you know who I have come? Not for those who think they're righteous. Not for those who think they have it all together. Those people, I guess they don't need me. But those who are sick, those who realize I am sinful, I am broken and I am in need of a savior. He's like, those are the people that I am coming close to because they realize their brokenness and their need for me. They realize their need for a sinner. And I, I love the illustration of the church and how a lot of times we can try to make church look more like a country club, right? Or um, is anybody here like going on a cruise? Ooh, I've been on a couple cruises. I love some cruises because one, it's all you can eat, right? Like it just, it's like midnight and you can go get a hamburger and some ice cream. Like, anyway, but the, the, it's so nice, like all those things. But God has called the church to look more like a battleship than a cruise ship. I'm talking about where we can bunk people 12 high, right? Because we are built for mission, not for comfort. We are built for the calling that God has on our life, not for the comfort of what this world has to offer, right? Because this is not our home. God says, in fact, uh, it, I don't even want you to get too comfortable because I'm going to send you out. And in the flesh, in our skin, in our uh, uh, regular nature, it's going to feel even uncomfortable, right? Of like, should I even be here? So what, what does this even look like? And the trick, the, the tension that you and I feel is the influence tension. And so you and I, that's what we have to realize. We're still called to be holy. We're still called to be set apart. And so when we go into the world, when we go to school or we go to work or we go into our family, the difference is, is that Jesus did not allow them to influence him. He came to influence. He came to be the light. And that's what's important for you and I to realize, that we have come to be a light in the darkness, a city sitting on a hill. And that when we get into the darkness, the people who are around us, they're not the source 
of our joy. They're not the source of our guidance. They're not the source of what's around us. We get that because we remain in Jesus. We have the helper who is guiding us and we're hanging out. We're there in those moments not to reflect culture, right? But to come and to show them the way that culture God has called us to live. We are called to be culture. I love this term, culture creators, because that's who God's called us to be. And then Jesus says this. I, I love this line as he is praying. He says, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them, teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. What an amazing piece of purpose for you and I. That each and every one of us in this room have a calling and have a purpose. That we are sent by God. If you are a follower of Jesus, He has a calling on your life. He has sent you out to be a light into the darkness. To be an ambassador for Christ. That's one of my favorite terms for a Christian. That we are ambassadors for the kingdom. When I go to work, Jesus Himself is praying that, that Tim would go to work as an ambassador for the kingdom. That Jesus is praying that Daniel, when he goes into Home Depot, that he is an ambassador for kingdom. I mean, Jesus himself is praying for you, praying for each and every kid. When you go to school, that you would be an ambassador for the kingdom. And when we have that mindset and every time we spend that that quiet time with God or walking with him, we understand who we are in Christ. We walk in that that amazing truth and purpose that God has called us to. He says, I want you to understand, one, who you are. And now that you know who you are, I'm sending you out as ambassadors for Christ. And when you and I realize that, it becomes a game changer for you and us. Because now each day has purpose. Now each conversation could have a deeper level meaning, right? Every time, we may not even use our words yet, but yet as we are walking and interacting with people, they look at our lives and go, wait, it's like you function off a different system. It's like you, uh, it's like the world is going crazy, but yet you have this peace. It's like you make decisions a different way than other people make decisions. Why do you make the decision that way? Why do you treat your family that way? Why do you treat your spouse that way? Why, like all of these things, right? People can look in and go, you're still living in the world. You're still showing up to work. You're still showing up in my neighborhood, but yet you function off a different standard. What is that standard? What does that look like? Because we have been called to be set apart and we have been called to be walk into the darkness, walk into where God has called us to. And that becomes an incredible truth. And then Jesus, he continues to pray here. And, he, and then he gets really uh, I love how when Jesus prays, he has already taught us how to remain in him. He gives us this beautiful picture of Christ. But when he prays, he starts to pray specifically for the outward uh, mission of the church. He starts to pray and going, God, don't, please don't let them get into their circle and just sit and wait. Like, oh, God, I pray that they would use what I have given them. Just how you sent me from heaven, a perfect place called heaven, into the world to save those who are hurting. I'm going to be sending them too as well. And he, and he continues this kind of mission mindset, this mission prayer here in John chapter 17, verse 20. It says, I am praying not only for these disciples but also for all who have ever 
believed in me through their message. Jesus right there is praying for you, praying for each and every believer. Two thousand something years ago, Jesus looks up to the father and goes, oh, I'm praying for her. I'm praying for him. I'm praying for her. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. Uh, That first piece there is pretty big uh, because you and I may look at someone like the religious leaders looked at the early disciples. And thought, oh, that's Peter, as Jacob was talking about. He's just a fisherman. Did you know in uh, First and Second Peter, as we read that in the Bible, that it was written in such broken language that people were like, wait a second, is this really, like, really going to be in the Bible? But it was true. It's because he had firsthand witnessed accounts of who Jesus was. But Peter, being a fisherman, not an incredibly educated man, walked with Jesus. And there are stories of Peter praying over people and then standing up and walking and being incredibly healed by the power of God through Peter. And so when Jesus lived his life, he looked at those early disciples and he called them on mission. And it's through their message that you and I are still sitting here today. It's through their message. Continue on. We don't know the impact that we can have on the world just by leading one person to Christ. The world may look and go, oh, I don't know about that person. I don't know about that kid. They just may be too far gone. I don't know about that. But yet you plant that seed in their heart. They could become the next great evangelist. They could lead the next 12 people to Christ. They could build the next church. We don't know. Our job is to live out the calling that God has for us. That's why Bridge Kids is so important for us. Because we, we don't know the next generation. That's why we believe that there is nobody too far gone from the grace of God. That as the gospel has the power to transform lives. And you and I have the opportunity to love those who are around us. Because we don't know the impact that God can have in and through the people who are around us. And then he continues on here. He says, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. They can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. You see Jesus as he begins to pray. He starts this off as he's praying. He's saying, God, I want the followers of Jesus to be in me and I in them. And then to be so close to you, God, that the outside world looks and goes, wow, you are really close to God. Wow, you are really in communion. You are really one with what God wants you to do. And he, Jesus is praying that for you and I. There was this, um, I was just reading this. There's an incredible book where uh, they write testimonies of people who have been part of these uh, great revivals of God and people who have either led it or just been a part of it. And uh, it's called They Found the Secret. And I love it because the secret that the book that every single one of them point to is that they didn't strive for more faith. They didn't strive for the revival. They all strive to be closer to God. 
And God used them for His glory. Their mark was to get as close to Jesus as possible, to become as holy as possible. Right? I just want to be one with God so much so, and God used that, increased their faith, and used them for His glory. He used their weaknesses. He used their strength. All of those moments. And we, I have a quote here um, by one of those guys that I want us to get. And his name is uh, Hudson Taylor. And this is what he says. And, it, and it's pretty impactful. This quote here, it says, not striving after faith, but by resting on the faithful one. That's his quote. He says, I I don't want to strive. God, I need this. I need this. He says, I want to rest on the faithful one. And he is faithful to increase in me what he wants in me and through me. And so God calls us to be one with him. And then he says, I want you to not only be one with me, but I want the other believers. I want them to be so close. I want them to be one as well, because every person that I know that gets closer to Jesus, God puts more of a burden on their heart to love others who are around them. The close, this is a principle that you and I can take. The closer I get to Jesus, the more I will have a burden to love others. The closer we cannot read the Gospels and look at Jesus's life and go, oh, you know what? People, they're just not my thing. I'm just not a people person. You know, like we, we read the Gospels and Jesus is crossing boundaries. I mean, think about it. We're going into Easter. We're going into Good Friday this Friday. Jesus loved people so much that he went to the cross, that he gave his life, that he was willing to sacrifice everything for you and I. What a beautiful picture for you. The closer we get to Jesus, the more the burden comes on our heart of going, whoo, I love my neighbor so much. Ooh, I, those seasons where God begins to stir our heart, if we focus in on coming one with God, he will continue to increase that burden in us and through us to love one another. But then he says, I not only do I want you to be close with me because now I'm going to lead you to be close with others. And he says, as the church, I want them to be one. I want unity to be a theme in the church. I want them, in fact, he's praying. He's saying, God, make them so close that the outside world looks in and goes, I'm not real sure about the God thing, but you are so close. You are so tight knit. You are so unified. You are so walking together. I need some of that. How are you doing that? And I thought, wow, what a better time than now when kind of the world is calling us to be a cancel culture, right? Like it, it doesn't matter if somebody crosses my mind and I don't like it, you're out of here, right? Like, I, nope, cutting it off. Nope. And I'm not even going to enter that. I'm not going to have a conversation. You're not like me. Sorry. This, these are my people. These are your people, right? We were in this kind of polarizing state in America, especially, right? It's like, oh, you've vote this way you go to your corner I vote this way I'm gonna go to my church right this is my church government area this is your church government area like all these things right begin to divide us and when you and I begin to complicate the gospel things start to get muddy but Jesus goes I want the gospel to be the thing that unites you the gospel becomes higher than who we vote for. The gospel becomes higher than our backgrounds. The gospel becomes higher than our race. The gospel becomes higher than our economic status, right? We could be millionaires or we could be at the bottom. We can be in the middle. It doesn't matter where we are. The gospel becomes higher to that. And when you and I come to know Christ, come to know Jesus, we become into this new nation, this holy nation, no matter where our what country we're from, no matter what we look like, no matter what our 
our background, like all those things, we become into this new holy nation of God that God starts to unite us together so much so that the outside world goes, everybody else is dividing and you're just getting closer. How is that happening? And you and I go, oh, let me introduce you to this man named Jesus. Let me tell like this song. Let me tell you about my, I can't sing, about my Jesus. Rather, like we, let me tell you about Jesus. Because when we complicate the gospel, that's when things begin to get muddy for you and I. And we start adding in our personal preferences over God's plan and purposes. But as the church, God is going to break the gospel comes to the top. The gospel becomes the center of everything that we do. And you and I need to realize and we need to keep the gospel crystal clear for each and every person, for the lost world. That's what Jesus did in John chapter 14 before he goes into this set of teaching. In John chapter 14, what does he do? He says, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then he says, you guys are going to know the way. And doubting Thomas, the one who's not afraid to ask questions, right? He goes, uh, Jesus, what is the way? Like, what are you talking about here? And Jesus goes, oh, let me make it crystal clear for you. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And that's what our foundation is, is that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the one that gives us wisdom. He gives us direction. He holds us together. He binds us together with the power of the cross. And any time like Mark chapter 2 we just read that we begin to think that we are too righteous for the people who are out in front of us. Jesus goes, oh, you're getting to an area where you don't need me, right? Like The religious leaders, when he came, when Jesus got upset the most, it was with the religious leaders who took God's law and began to run with it and they started separating themselves from the rest of the world and God was going, wait a second, you're missing the mark. You, you, you pulled all of these people together and you have these prayer chains around your neck and you're flaunting how many pieces of scripture you've memorized and all of your prayer chains and you just keep adding all of those on. But yet the poor go on continuing being poor and the, the lame are still sitting there and they need help. The widows don't have food. He's like, what, what is happening? No, I've called you to be a light in a dark world. And the first thing Jesus does, when he walks into this world, he walks into the darkest places. Walks up to the hurting. He walks up to the widows, to the poorest of poor. And he says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Son, your faith has made you well. Daughter, your son, over and over again, your son, your sins are forgiven. And he goes and he's and he doesn't matter their background or what it is. He's looking for the condition of the heart that is saying, God, I am a sinful person. I, I am lost. I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to change me, God. And he takes that and he transforms. He forgives us of our sins. And then he gives us the mission. What does he do? He says, take up your mat and go forward. There's one man that he heals in the Bible, right? And the man goes, oh, I can't believe you healed me. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened in my life. Can I follow you can you be my teacher and we you know what he does he looks at him he goes no I want you to go home and he turns him around he says no I'm gonna send you back home and I want you to begin to tell them of everything that I have done for you he's going you can only follow me for so long and and here in this moment because I'm going back to heaven and I'm gonna send you the helper and in fact I'm gonna send you back out and I think my favorite piece of scripture as followers of Christ for you and I Pulls his disciples together. I think there are about 72 at the time. And he says, hey, I'm going to send you out in twos. 
And he goes, hey, you're going to go out. Don't take anything. Don't take extra stuff. In fact, when you get to a town, find somebody else. See if you can stay with them. If they don't accept you, just dust your shoes off. Move on to the next house. Move on to the next town, right? But then he goes, hey, I want you to be prepared, though. Because I'm sending you out, sending you out as sheep among wolves. He's like, but I want you to be as harmless as a dove, right? Like, it's going to be like a brood of vipers out there. And I, and I love the picture, right, where he says you're going to be sheep among wolves. Imagine a sheep. I mean, sheep, can we just be blunt and honest here? They're dumb. Right, like they're sheep, like what? Like they're they don't have sharp teeth. They're fluffy. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, like it's a sheep. It's like, come on, God, can I be a lion? Like, can I be a wolf? Can I be like something there? But he's like, no, no, I want you to be a sheep because when a sheep walks into a wolf den, the wolf den doesn't automatically become offensive, right? The wolf thinks they're on top. The wolf thinks they have won. But the sheep that is walking into a wolf den has a lion heart. The sheep thinks he's a lion. He's like, oh, you don't know who's in me. I have the helper with me. You can even take my body if you need to. But I'm still going to have victory. I'm still going to declare the goodness of God. Even if you take me out right here, right now, and the wolves, right, the world look in and go, whew, this dude is different. This lady it's like her peace is supernatural. It's like his peace is connected to something different. And that's what Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for me. He's saying, I'm sending you out. I'm not sending you out so that you can be alone, that you can be scared, that you can be fearful. He's like, no, I'm calling my church to be fearless. That's why I can send you out. That's why we can go into the darkest places. That's why we can help the poor. That's why we can be with orphans and widows as God has called us. He's like, that's why we can be in this community. And this is why Easter is so big for you and I. Because in Christ, death has lost its sting. And if death has lost its sting, what can mere mortal man do to you and me? Right now, we can go into the world in confidence. Students in the house, like what can they do to me if I have the living Christ in me who has saved me, redeemed me, changed me, given me a new hope, a new purpose. What can they say about me on social media? I know who I am in Christ, right? Because of who Jesus has, what he has done in me and through me. And those are the things, that's why when we open up his word, I'm reminded of who God is. I'm reminded of what he is doing in me. I'm reminded of what he's doing through me. And you and I, we have an opportunity here as this Easter moment, I, would, I want to invite you in to begin to pray with us and ask God and say, God, we want you to do a mighty work here in the low country. That we want to be a church where we want to go outside of these walls. We're meeting people where they are. And uh, for us this week, we have an opportunity. We have, you have an invite for Easter there in your seats. And Every invite is not just an invite. It's an opportunity. Our promise to you as a church that every person that attends or listens online for Easter will hear the gospel. Right? We have an opportunity to share Jesus that there is hope in this world. There is freedom in this world. And his name is Jesus. And when you and I have the opportunity to introduce people to Christ. That is what he has called us to. It doesn't matter where they're from what their background is, what they look like, right? Jesus, the grace of God, can continue to save them, can change them. And when you and I come together and walk in unity, when you and I are willing to come to the altar of Christ and go, this is my personal preference, God, but I'm going to lay it at your feet for your plan 
and for your purpose, right? Like, God, I'm, I'm laying this at your feet. I believe that, it, that your will is higher. Your purposes are higher, God. I may, it may be really hard for me because how I grew up to talk to that person, but God, you, I'm laying down my personal preference, right? Because I believe your will, your plan has called me to. And we see God begin to do a mighty work in us and unite us as a church to walk with each other, to be guided by God's word. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more he fills us up. The closer we get to Jesus, the more the burden he puts on our hearts of going, oh, I have neighbors that I'm praying for. I have people that work that I'm praying for. I have all of these, of these people who are surrounded where I live, work, and play that I'm praying that they would hear about the grace of God, that they would hear that there is freedom and that there is hope. And so as we close today and as we get ready for what God is doing um, here, the band is going to come up and continue to sing. And as we reflect on Jesus's prayer, that's what I would challenge you and I to say. Can we begin to pray what Jesus prayed? I think that's a great start for you and I. How can we pray for what Jesus prayed for? How can we pray for unity inside the church, right? How can we pray for um, that God help me to live as a sent follower of you, that you're sending me out, God, what do you need to do in me and through me? You may be, you may be thinking in your mind, I don't know if God can use me. I don't know enough. All of these things. I would encourage you to jump into a life group, jump into a small group, or uh, come talk to me. Uh, my promise to you is if you truly want to be discipled, we're going to find you a place to be discipled. We're going to find you somebody to walk with you, to help you know, to start to feel comfortable. All those things and what God wants to do in you because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he wants to use you for his glory. And we talked about this when we were meeting when our, for the color run. and Because um, for us as a church and all the volunteers that helped, to us it's not just a color run. For us, what we prayed for is that there may be someone that we meet in heaven that showed up at the color run. They were like, I just showed up to get color thrown on me. You're like, I just showed up to watch Brad do his head in pink, and it was awesome. Like, like I just showed up for that. But what I got is I met these smiling people who were some of the joyous, most joyous people I have ever met. And I couldn't describe it. I couldn't pinpoint it. But then they invited me to church. I started to hear about this Jesus. Then I gave my life to Jesus. And now my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And for eternity, we will be walking together. It's not that's not just a piece of a card for you and I, right? Like it has eternal meanings. It's just not a, a knock on my neighbor's door and going, hey, uh, this seems kind of crazy. And you probably got me on your ring camera and all that. But I just want you to know that if you need anything, I'm here for you. That's it. I'm here for you. If you need anything, here's my cell phone number. I'm here for you, right? It's not just an invite. It's not just an initial step, but God is going, I'm sending you because you and I have eternal purpose in Christ. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter our background, how much knowledge we know. God is going, hey, what I need is a surrendered heart. And if you give me a surrendered heart, watch me work. If you give me a surrendered heart, let me feel that empty heart. Let me fill it up so that you can know me more. The closer we get to God, the more of a burden he places on us. The more we want to walk in him. But let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your word.
God, thank you for your truth. God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. I pray that your word would begin to shape us and mold us. God, just as you were praying here in John chapter 17, we pray the same prayer. God, that you would help us to be one with you. That we would get so close to you, God, that there's, there's a burning fire in us to love those who are around us. So much so that we're willing, God, to lay down our personal preference for your plan and purpose. God, it's not about me, it's about you. And I pray that you do a mighty work. I pray that you unite us as a church. Not just the Bridge Church, God, but the Big C Church all around the world, God. Begin to stir up in us the work that you want to do in our nation, in our world. God, I pray that you help us to understand the eternal purpose that we have each and every day. That for us, it's not just an invite. It's not just a hello. It's not just a, hey, we love you. We're here for you, God. But you can use all of those seeds that are planted for your glory. I pray that you use us, God. Help us to be more like you. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.